Welcome to episode 267 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode, we review Anzac round eight of the 2023 NRL season. We preview the magic round and we discuss the hip drop, Jack Whiten, Las Vegas, and much, much more. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 267 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I'm your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, it is Anzac round. We have just witnessed uh, probably the most epic Anzac round of NRL that we've ever seen uh, this weekend. It's been amazing. Uh, It's been an epic Anzac day, of course, as usual. We've been commemorating uh, the Anzacs and thinking about uh, all the sacrifices that they've made. Um, Lots of festivities going on across Australia and New Zealand. Tish, how are you doing this weekend? Uh, Dr. T, I am doing well because I believe I've witnessed the greatest round of NRL history. It was an amazing round this wow. week. Wow. So many. Yeah, I, I thought the games were incredible. Uh, but obviously, you know, today being Anzac Day, a very uh, a very important day, I think, always um, in the calendar for, you know, people living in Australia and in New Zealand to commemorate uh, all, the, uh, all the people who had uh, gone to war um, you know, flying the flags of Australia and New Zealand. And I think, um, yeah, a very special day. And I think, um, and I also think the Anzac clashes ha- have also been uh, quite spectacular too. So, so yeah, so look, I, I am, um, yeah, like, you know, like when people do their gratitude journal, like, you know what, like I'm, I'm grateful is what I'll say, you know, to the universe for bringing me some great rugby league this, this week. Absolutely, and and yeah, to to culminate this round on two amazing games, which we'll talk about soon, uh, it's just amazing. But there was a lot of other great games, and and also there was a, a you know, we, we're going to go into our our um, <clears throat> well, there's quite a few things we're going to talk about. This weekend has been a very very busy weekend of uh, of news in in rugby league. Um, but definitely one of the things that has come out of, of these games, and we'll, we'll talk about it at the end of our review of, of this round, is, uh, is I guess, the, uh, well, let me just say the issue of mateship uh, mm. and, and collegiality and, uh, and camaraderie amongst the NRL players uh, of opposing teams. Shall I say there is definitely something in the air, and uh, and and so a couple of incidents that I want to sort of raise as well. But we're also going to talk about other things. We're going to talk about the hip drop, which is seems to have been <laughs> overtaken the uh, the refereeing ranks uh, at the moment. It's just all about hip drops, and uh, oh, look, a lot of things to talk about in that space as well. And and a big announcement as well from the NRL that they plan. To uh, to head to Las Vegas for round one next year, so we're going to dive into that a little bit and see whether that's a smart move or not. Uh, but yeah, look, without any further ado, let's uh, get into our tackle number one, which is our review of the ANZAC round round eight. 
All right, and Tish, you did mention that in your view, this was probably one of the the greatest rounds of NRL in in NRL history. And look, I'd have to say it comes close to it. Almost every single game was uh, down to the wire, and there was mm. a, almost a story in every single one of those games. Um, good crowds, good atmosphere, good quality rugby league. Let's dive into the. Uh, the scores. So uh, this epic round started on Thursday night, way back then, where South Sydney 20 defeated the defending champs, Penrith Panthers 18, in front of uh, around 20,000 or so at a core stadium. This was followed by a an epic Friday night game between the Broncos and the Eels, where the Broncos ended up winning 26 to 16. Uh, that was in Darwin, T.O. Stadium, uh, in front of 11,000 or so fans there. <clears throat> um, Saturday had two games, uh, which started off with the Sharks 33 to 20 over the Bulldogs in front of about 12,000 at a core stadium, and then the Cowboys 18 to 16 over the Knights at Queensland Country Bank Stadium in front of about 18,000 or so fans. Sunday saw two uh, games, uh, pretty close games as well. The Dolphins 28 to 26 over the Titans at Suncorp Stadium in front of 22,000. The Sea Eagles 22 to 16 over the Tigers at Campbelltown Sports Ground in front of 10,000 or so fans. Today, uh, the Anzac Day uh, matches, a tra- fairly recently traditional Anzac Day matches. The Roosters defeating the Dragons 27 to 26 in front of 40,000 fans at Allianz Stadium, the new Allianz Stadium there in Sydney. And that was uh, capped off by a, an epic Melbourne storm come from behind victory over the Warriors 30 to 22 at Amy Park in front of a very healthy 23,000 uh, or 23,500 fans. And of course, Canberra Raiders had the bye, which uh, also leads to one of our tackles later around Jack mm. White. So there you go. But look, in terms of the games themselves, look, uh, what can you say? There were so many uh, memorable moments in these games. I think. I think for me there was um, <clears throat> a couple that stood out, a couple of games that stood out, uh, and and they're really, uh, you know, they happen to be <laughs> the ones today. Uh, the Roosters and the Dragons, I thought, was was a pretty pretty good match. Storm and the Warriors. I mean, the Warriors uh, look they they would be entitled to be a bit annoyed that they uh, didn't run away with this one. Um, they allowed the Storm to come back and. Uh, uh, you know, in many ways, the Warriors dominated. So I think this was a, one of those games where the Warriors would be ruining uh, the one that got away, I think. Um, but, I, but look, it's a very, very much a learning curve for them. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of players, uh, a lot of the team is kind of new and don't know each other. And, uh, but as I said, the Warriors is one of these teams that's flying under the radar and uh, unfortunately wasn't able to get over that radar today over the Storm. But I think they've, they've shown a lot of good signs of what they can do against the Storm there. But the Dragons and the Roosters, that was a very exciting game. Uh, you know, the end of Luke Keary field goal with minutes to spare, um, Ensured that they won that one, 27 to 26. A uh, an, a Jack Bird attempt at uh, at a, a, a um, well, I wouldn't say milking, but at obtaining a penalty. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't 
milking because I actually thought they deserved the penalty, to be honest. Um, he was dragged down as he was trying to play the ball. I mean, you could argue, uh, you know, he did actually get a uh, captain's challenge and it was uh, over overruled, uh, which I... I was a bit baffled. I thought I thought for sure they would have given that penalty. Uh, he was in the process of making uh, uh, playing the ball and uh, and was still held on and was pulled down. So I, I kind of look. I'm not I'm not a conspiracy theorist when it comes to NRL. Um, and uh, but I do I do feel for the Dragons fans who think that continually they get the uh, the rub of the green against them when it comes to Roosters games. Um, and Roosters seem seem to get the the, the luck of the draw there, and uh, that was unfortunate for them. But, um, but yeah, look, a lot more to talk about. I, I didn't deliberately mention the Eels. That was a that was a good game uh, for the Broncos, I think, as an Eels. <laughs> I was very frustrated. Yeah. Um, you know, the Sharks did very well. I think Souths, uh, nothing to sneeze at, defeating the Panthers 2018. I think a, a, another well-deserved victory. And, of course, the, the Tigers just getting edged out by Manly. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, – well, I'll, I'll, I'll hand over to you to tell me what your highlights were of the round. And then I'll, uh, I'll add in another couple of incidents that I saw that I think are worthy of mentioning. So over to you, Tish. Yeah, well, look, firstly, uh, you know, the Tigers, uh, yeah, look, again, disappointing result. But for the first time this season, we led, right? So we got in front uh, finally, right? So – so, yeah, but it was, I thought it was a good game. And it was 16-14 uh, with about 10 minutes to go. I actually really loved the, um, you know, the setting of the game, being in Campbelltown and how the fans really got into it as well. I, I, I thought it was a good good to watch the Fire Bros as the Silver Towers go at it in 2023, right? It really had that. It, like, it's 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 almost like we shouldn't call them the Tigers when they play the Sea Eagles. It was like Western Suburbs Magpies versus the Sea Eagles. There's a lot of feeling in that game and, uh, yeah, a couple of things that happened. But, look, you know, taking you back all the way to Thursday, right, and this remarkable uh, try by Isaiah Tass in the 78th minute and 30 seconds, uh, you know, left to actually snatch the victory away from uh, away from Penrith. You know, the you know, was uh, you know, at the 75th minute, Latrell Mitchell scored, making it 16-18, and then oh, sorry, he kicked the conversion at the 75th. Um, but yeah, but it was you know he he you know he uh, it was 18 14 and then he you know he kicked 18 16. They still needed to try. They only had you know uh, four minutes left, and they were able to do it within two minutes. So that was absolutely incredible. Um, but I think you know, and that's the state of it. But but the real. I feel the real thing is the Dolphins were down 20, was it? Yeah, I think they were down 26-0 on Sunday uh, against the Titans. Um, and at halftime, they just scored before halftime uh, to make it, um, you know, like 28, uh, sorry, 26-6. to And they end up winning the game 28-26. I mean, that's unbelievable right there, right? And, uh, yeah, even even there was a try. They actually even bombed a try as well where um, Robert Jennings, um, you know, the ball was on the ground. He picked it up and the try line was open, but he just he just dived on the ball. He didn't actually get up and try. <laughs> try. And everybody's wondering what, what happened. And um, and then I think he said it was a, a brain snap. So that was kind of weird. But then he ended up throwing in the try. But I thought just just that. And, look, you know, you know I did tip the Titans. Uh, you tip the Dolphins, um, but I just felt that you know that their good fortune is sort of coming 
towards the end. But then, yeah, there's something about this team, right? They're able to uh, they're able to pull out these victories, even even though it seems very unlikely. So I've got to say, like they're they're the new sensation, and I think it's been great. But yeah, and then as you talked about today, the end of day test match. Uh, well, shouldn't they? It's just- but it felt like a test match. It was, you know, it was a, a, firstly a packed crowd in at the New City Football Stadium. Absolutely incredible atmosphere, and just the, um, you know, the Dragons. You know, they. Uh, I felt they were a bit. Yeah, um, I felt they should have won that. They, they were. They were clearly playing better, and uh, you know, it, unfortunately, you know, they weren't able to get the chocolates, but um, you know, the Roosters were able to to hang on. So. I think uh, I think all in all, like you know, what what a great round of rugby league. I think it's um, you know, I think at the start of the season, obviously there were a few. I mean, it's always been every round has been close, but I think what we're finding is that uh, you know, there's not a big difference between uh, the first team to the sixteenth team, right? Uh, the seventeenth team, the Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> Story right now, but I, I think as for the rest of the competition, I feel like there's, I think that it's it's a fairly close competition this year. And really, anybody can beat anybody on any given day, um, just depending on the circumstances. Like, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if, like, you know, a team like the Bulldogs can pull an upset up, upset against, like, a team like the Panthers, right? Um, it can happen because of of just the way uh, of just the way it is. I mean, we still have Brisbane leading the competition, and you know, a lot of people didn't even have them coming to the top eight. I mean, I think a lot of people were wondering if Kevin Waddle was going to keep the, keep his job or not, right? Um, mm, but they're yeah. the comp, so yeah, yeah. And look, um, yeah, you you made some good points there. Obviously, the Dolphins, I think, showed uh, great character to come back from uh, a massive deficit <laughs> just before halftime. Uh, probably one of the greatest comebacks in in our all history, I, I would think. Um, and and that's with a, a try in a try in hand, as you said, with uh, George Jennings. Uh, brain explosion <laughs> costing them another one. Um, <clears throat> there was another brain explosion as well from someone that I wanted to also mention. So Ronaldo Molitalo also uh, <laughs> made a bit of a mistake as he was diving for uh, for a try in the corner. He stuck his hand out a bit too far and uh, completely uh, muffed it basically and uh, uh, lost that easy four points. Uh, and and so he was a bit apologetic about that, but I, I did want to raise something that Ronaldo was also involved in, uh, and also another player, uh, Jake Trebojevic from Manly, who uh, both of whom made some comments, uh, sympathetic comments, shall I say, towards the West Tigers players. Um, <clears throat> so the first one was uh, in uh, Jake Trebojevic's um, uh, press conference. Well, he wasn't. A, he was actually being interviewed on the sideline by uh, the Fox Sports uh, team. Uh, back in the studio after the manly victory over the Tigers. And he expressed some pretty, uh, I guess you would say, pretty sympathetic words to uh, around the West Tigers. And he said he kind of felt sorry for them and he understands what it's like. You know, there was a period where several years ago where Manly lost their first several games and he, he seriously thought about retiring. You know, he was just really depressed about it and all that sort of stuff. And... Um, Basically, he made some comments saying, "Look, I've, you know, I feel sorry for them. I hope they, they, they get get a win soon, and 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 all that kind of stuff." And the reason why I mentioned that is, uh, apparently, he was, you know, 
uh, I guess ridiculed by by the the people in the studio, um, who I guess thought it was really odd that that a player would uh, go to bat for a team that's down uh, down on the on the ground at the moment. Um, but a lot of people uh, online were very much saying that's that's Jake for you. Jake Chaboyevich is probably one of the nicest guys in rugby league, and uh, for him to be empathetic in that way to Tigers, West Tigers players, uh, shows a lot about his character, etc. Um, so I thought that was interesting, and I thought, oh, you know, that's kind of a fitting thing to hear in the news that there's some positivity around, um, you know, genuine. Uh, collegiality and camaraderie between players uh, during this Anzac round. And then what I saw, uh, it may have been today or yesterday, was um, a tweet from uh, Fox Sports on um, uh, basically saying that it, it's been 365 days since uh, Luke Brooks has won a game. And, uh, and, and Ronaldo Molitalo, who I mentioned earlier, actually... Uh, tweeted back at the uh, Fox Sports uh, team and said, um, you know, basically calling out their hypocrisy. He said, look, how can you talk about player welfare on the one hand and then and then tweet about this kind of thing around Luke Brooks and basically blaming him for their losses and, and all that kind of stuff? You know, as we know, we've been hearing a lot of... Uh, there's, there's pylons a lot against uh, people like Luke Brooks and others uh, who have been scapegoated for what the West Tigers are going through at the moment and um <clears throat> so i thought that comment from ronaldo mulitalo was very interesting because um you know basically saying again similar to the jake trebojevic thing that there are players out there who are very sympathetic to what the tigers are going through um who also are worried about play welfare and and the fact that there are players there that aren't just there for the paycheck that they genuinely live and breathe rugby league and they must be going uh they must be suffering at the moment um with with how tough it is for them to get a victory and things do not seem to be working for them so look <clears throat> at the end of an anzac round where we've had epic games and a lot of close games and a lot of feeling and, and a lot of um uh i guess meaning to all these games I think it means a lot that that we've seen these stories from Jake and Ronaldo uh, around their support for the West Tigers. So I thought I thought I'd sort of mention that. Um, that's a bit of a nice positive story for rugby league for for a change. Mm. But um, yeah, what are your well, thoughts on that? What do you feel as a Tigers fan, seeing that there's some players going to bat for your team? Well, I wish they would play for our team, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and, and, and I wish I'd score tries around it. But look, no, no, I mean, look, as a, as a fan, I mean, look, I, I'll, I'll be, if, if oh, man, I might as well just uh, come out and say it, right? Like, um, it's hard for me to watch rugby league right now because of how poor the West Tigers are playing. And it's, it's frustrating, it's upsetting, it's angry. And obviously, when you are very emotional about your team, you start to point fingers. And, you know, we look at the different decisions Luke Brooks uh, does right, but you know, but he's making those decisions, uh, you know, in in the actual moment, right? So, you know, I don't think I think that's the only thing that you could sort of criticize him for. The actual result of winning and losing, I mean, that's got to come down to a whole lot more than just Luke Brooks. It is a team sport at the end of the day, right? So, um, but what I think it does show with the NRL players, and I think this is why the NRL Players Association has become quite strong in the game is that I think there's a real camaraderie amongst all the playing group. I mean, they might, I mean, you do hear of different feuds going on and different things that people say to each other on the field, 
but it looks like on the whole, uh, as a player group, I think everybody understands um, the pressure that everybody's on, and they understand, uh, you know, you know what happens to players when, you know, uh, they they get targeted like this. So I think there is a collective now, and I think Ronaldo and Jake are showing uh, that they do. Uh, you know, it's almost like the player welfare, player first thing, and I think it's really good that they're supporting each other like that. Um, you know, let's let's hope that at the end. Of the, I mean, look, it is their job, uh, it is their career, so they are going to take it passionately. But let's hope that um, you know, health comes before anything else. Let's let's hope that you know, even if they don't win a game for the rest of the season, that they are mentally strong enough. Uh, yeah, and, and and let's let's promote the player welfare aspect of it rather than uh, just just getting uh, critical all the time. Even though you know, us us fans, we want to, right? But we can't really, right? So that's that's the problem. And um, I think I think the problem with the West Tigers has to come from. I'd say it's more accountability from the office in terms of you know, it's not just this season. It's been going on for like uh, you know more than a decade that we haven't made the final. So. And there hasn't really been that much of a structural change uh, in the organisation because, you know, if you're consistently not getting results, then I think the whole system is broken and you got to change that. So I think I think the players are being unfairly targeted by the media for the results that are that are not 100% their responsibility, if that makes sense. So well done, Ronaldo and Jake. Uh, sorry for my long-winded response there, Dr. T. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. No, no. Look, it's a good way to end this uh, this review of the Anzac round. As you said, Tish, an epic round in many ways on and off the field. Uh, but there's also lots more that's happening in the world of rugby league. So let's jump into tackle number two. Well, tackle number two, we have uh, uh, colloquially named Jack Rabbit. <laughs> it is about Jack Whiten. <laughs> Unfortunately, last week we did talk about Jack Whiten potentially going to my eels and why aren't the eels uh, going for him? They need a left centre. But no, I think it was all uh, it was all done and dusted. It was uh, the week off that the Raiders had allowed Jack Whiten to come up to Sydney and uh, have a bit of a breakfast with Latrell Mitchell, his mate from years gone by, and... Uh, yeah, and look, uh, this year in Canberra, but anyway, that's we're... right. And it's yeah. it's done and dusted now. It is uh, <laughs> Jack White and will leave the Raiders at the end of this year, and he will head to the Rabbitohs next year. Uh, he has signed up a, a deal uh, that, uh, yeah, it, he could have he could have had a more lucrative deal at Canberra or even at the Dolphins. I believe they were chasing him, but but no. Um, just this morning, I think they broke the news that Jack White and uh, he had told his his team actually last week, last Tuesday. So it's taken this long to confirm in the media, but um, I think there was a suspicion that this was going to happen. And, you know, we uh, be in the uh, Sherlock Holmes uh, and, and Jack Watson, uh, no, of, uh, of, uh, of rugby league. We, we put two and two together last week that this was going to happen, but, uh, but yeah, it's been confirmed, but look, Whiten to the Rabbitohs. What do you reckon? It's uh, it's going to make for a hell of a backline there. Yeah, well, look, I think the Rabbitohs are a team that can win the 2023 Premiership, and obviously he's joining next year at 2024, and he only just strengthens their lineup, right? Because 
you know, he he was more than likely going to be playing centre. Uh, but you know, he's he's uh, been a top class player, playing fullback, top class player, playing five eighth. He's played Origin. He's played for Australia, and I think, oh, I, I mean, I think it definitely puts South Sydney in a good position to. Um, you know, over the next few years when Jack Whiten is there, Damian Cook is there, Latrell Mitchell is there, um, you know, uh, yeah, there's a ton of players, right, that, that are there. Uh, uh, Cody Walker as well. You know, it's it's you could see this is the making of a great team. Now, whether Rabideau supporters can accuse the Roosters now of the salary crap sombrero, um, <laughs> I, I think you're going to lose that right now, right, because... Uh, there is the it's it's a bit tight, and I think uh, I think I mentioned it last week. You know they weren't able to secure Adam Reynolds uh, on a long term contract, and now he's playing for Brisbane, a guy that wanted to uh, to to go and then uh, to to stay a, a rabbit for life. And now you've got Jack Whiten coming in uh, on a big money deal, and uh, you know the next thing is uh, you know Isaiah Tass. Or Campbell Graham, one of these, and probably as Itas, he's probably going to be let go of the club because you know he's got to make room for Jack Whiten. Uh, he's also a local junior, um, so they're going to get rid of a local junior, uh, and so is Campbell Graham as well. So uh, I don't think they'll get yeah. So it, it, they're they're stacked in the backs. That's 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 going to be a challenge for them a little bit. Um, so there's going to be a few different changes there. Um, I know some of the players are probably coming towards the end of their career as well, including Jack. So it's going to be really interesting to see. And I don't know if this is going to be an issue three to four years down the track, uh, but you could even have a situation where they get a string of retirements all together uh, and then they sort of go down a bit. Um, That is also something that can happen. If you kind of recall... Back in 2014, um, you know, when they did win, now it's some time ago now, of course, it's, it's nine years ago, but, um, you know, they kind of went through a slump uh, a few years later because uh, because they had a few players sort of moving on, uh, like, you know, Greg Inglis and, 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 and company. So it's going to be really interesting to see if they can win a premiership over the next two years because I feel like this is an indication that they're, uh, that they're sort of, putting all their chips on the table to try and win one in 23, 24, 25, uh, and then kind of sacrificing where they could be in 26. That's what I feel. Uh, your thoughts, Dr. T? Um, yeah, look, I mean, uh, I have to agree with you. I think there's uh, – um, well, there, there is another thing that I've been thinking, which is I think that just the broader broader point of Jack White and uh, – making this very obvious career decision very publicly. Uh, it's not something that often happens. I mean, we did see, um, we've seen players like Cooper Cronk leave for various reasons uh, to from one big club to another big club. But uh, how often do we see players deliberately stating publicly that they want to leave a club and, and uh, you know, that they're going nowhere and they're heading to a club that has better uh prospects of winning a grand final because that can really that can really sort of hurt burn your bridges so to speak with uh, the club that you're leaving so i think this uh you know there's there's been a similar debate i think in other sports as an example mm. um uh it's you know the, in the nba you've, you've got the, they're in the finals at the moment there you've got a lot of um 
a lot of discussion about LeBron James and how he's sort of switched teams during his career uh, for that very reason, because he very publicly wanted to go to a team that he could build into a premiership winning team. And so here is Jack White and, uh, you know, heading towards uh, I wouldn't I would say he's just past his peak maybe maybe heading towards the end of his career and or at least three four years down the track thinking about his legacy and I think that's a I think that's the point here that I wanted to make um, in addition to what you're making there Tish that I think uh, it's such an interesting time that we're living in where players are now outwardly making these statements of legacy and um, you know and and doing it differently to to what other other players might be do, might have done it in the past in other generations where they would have wanted to build the premiership winning team from within their club and stay loyal to their team etc um the fact that you've got some players like like jack sort of saying um you know i don't have much time left in my career i want to make I'm, i don't think i'm going to put all my eggs in this basket i think i want to move to a place where i've got more of a chance of winning a premiership and building something there and um yeah, that's got to hurt the Raiders. That's got to hurt Ricky Stewart. That's got to hurt everyone that's kind of invested in Jack Whiten over there. Um, but but absolutely, uh, you know, it's it's a sign of the times. <laughs> I think mm. that that the players are starting to do more and more of this kind of um, you know legacy, thinking about their legacy. It is. And it is. Yeah. 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 But um, I don't. I'm not sure. It really adds much more to your point, Tish. But I think. Uh, uh, you know, when when you think, I just sort of was thinking about it in terms of the player, um, the you know the the attitude of of this generation of, mm. of football players, and and I wonder what it's going to be like with some of the younger ones coming through. Are in they going to be from the players' point of view, right? Yeah, are they going to be as as brutal about their uh, employer choices than as uh, as uh, as he has mm. been, or or even more so? Who knows? But um, but yeah, speaking of good business decisions. The NRL has uh, has yeah. made one. Well, well, look, well, one 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 final thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, one final thing, there, Doctor. I was just think, thinking. Thank God uh, that Jack Whiten, um, you know, is leaving a club like Canberra, who has a coach who doesn't hold grudges in Ricky Stewart. Oh, isn't it just so good that he can do that <laughs> without any repercussions? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Oh my goodness! But look, um, yeah, as I was saying, good business decisions uh, at the NRL level. This is something we're going to discuss in the next tackle league in Las Vegas. All right, so the NRO is reporting it is planning to start the 2024 season with a Las Vegas blockbuster. The Daily Telegraph reports that it's looking to kick off the season with a double header. Uh, Peter Volandis and Chief Executive Andrew Abdo are planning to travel to the fight capital of the world next month to begin planning the extravaganza. The event will involve players from four NRO clubs taking up a role as rugby league evangelists, selling the sport to an American audience in the week leading up to the game. Um, there's quite a few clubs that are reportedly wanting to be involved in this. I don't know if uh, there's been some suggestions of what those teams might be. We'll talk about that in a minute, but um uh, Phil Rothfield has posted on Twitter on Monday morning that that blockbuster could be, quote, the biggest event in rugby league history. 
Vegas, of course, has a state-of-the-art rectangle venue called Allegiant Stadium, which has a capacity of 65,000. It's currently been used by the Las Vegas Raiders in the NFL, uh, and it cost them $2 billion in 2020 when it opened. Uh, it was uh, assessed to be the second most expensive stadium in the world at the time of completion, and you'd hope you'd hope that you have uh, sellouts almost all the time there mm. for that kind of uh, money. But look, the point here is that uh, the NRL tried to do this, I think, a couple of years ago, and because of COVID restrictions and all sorts of uh, logistical issues, operational issues, they weren't able to pull it off. Uh, we did mention it at the time. I think there was quite a good, a lot of goodwill. There was the Russell Crowe, uh, South Sydney sort of thing, and the Manly with the Hugh Jackman thing. Uh, you know, there was there was suggestion it was South v Manly, but now they're thinking it's going to be a double header. I don't know which teams are going to be involved, but. I would suggest that uh, Russell Crowe's uh, <laughs> Rabbitohs might be one of them, um, you know, in terms of, you know, promoting, using using clubs that are already kind of well-known with, with star power that is already well-known, I think would be the smart move there. But look, a lot of people, what I'm finding online, Tish, and I thought I'd throw it to you with this one, there's a lot of negativity about this announcement, which I thought was a bit bit strange because I think this is a very good announcement. I think it's a good thing that they're thinking of doing uh, that as a way of promoting, you know, at least the initial round of, of the NRL season proper. Um, the NFL has done this in Europe. Other other sort of competitions have done this they, where they've promoted the initial round, the opening round to another country where they want to expand the game or, or promote or, you know, market it somehow. Um I think this is no different, and I think it's going to potentially, if they put the right effort into it, rather than it being a uh, something that's been organised from the bottom up by clubs themselves, if the actual NRL head honchos get involved, I think this means there's there's a lot of effort being put into it, a lot of money is going to be put into it, and they're going to try and do it right. And I think, look... A lot of what PVL has done, uh, you know, they also poo-pooed the the uh, the Dolphins announcement. But look at what that's done to uh, in, in the first few rounds that we've seen already. It's been a huge success to introduce and inject a new team into the NRL, uh, specifically mm. in Brisbane. And so, you know, PVL doesn't have very poor judgment on these things. I don't think he's, you know, you could argue about his judgment about. Uh, certain rule changes uh, over the years and, and uh, whether he's, uh, you know, adopted, uh, implemented them the right way. But I think in this case, I would say this is a very positive step that the NRL must take in order to take that next step to crack into the American market. Um, and like I said, it sounds like it's a top-down thing, not just a bottom-up thing, which is what's often happened in the past, that this has been left to the devices of the NRL clubs themselves, and I personally don't think they're the right people to do that. So, yeah, look, that's uh, my view on that. But, yeah, do you, do you share the sentiments of people online who are negative about this, Tish, or do you share my sentiments and uh, see that it's a positive step? Yeah, look, I, I share your sentiments that it, it is a positive step. Um, uh, I do... Also, I think though that you got to do it properly, otherwise, um, I, then I agree with the people online, right? <laughs> right, because <laughs> like, it, 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 because yeah, because like, uh, if you do it wrong, uh, look, if they're talking about a double header, um, and if we're going to play at the, uh, you know, Las Vegas Raiders, um, you know, sort of venue, then you got to have the Canberra Raiders playing, right? 
um, you know, to try and to try and capitalize on that. So I actually was thinking, okay, who are the who are the rivals for the uh, Las Vegas Raiders? And uh, actually, their number one rivalry, funny enough, is the Denver Broncos. And uh, you know, growing up in the '90s as a '90s kid or whatever, even though I was yeah, anyway, uh, forgetting all that, but. The Broncos and the Raiders were a thing in the 90s, weren't they? Uh, oh, yeah. The Canberra-Brisbane was the ultimate dream grand final that never occurred. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, so I'm just thinking that that could be a good uh, – I know I know Brisbane are doing fantastic this season. Uh, Canberra maybe not so, but I think that could be a good sort of second game and then have one of the top t- – because you, I think you've got to bring your best games there, and I think that's how it's going to be – uh, are going to be a great uh, sort of event. Like, you know, um, with all due respect to my Tigers, I don't think uh, like a Tigers-Titans game, for example, <laughs> or a Tigers-Bulldogs uh, game is the type of game you should send there, right? You should send probably the the best of the best and, you know, something that could end up having a, having a really close result too. Um, I did like the the Russell Crowe, uh, you know, uh, Zeus, I suppose he is, Um <laughs> against you know Wolverine, like you know that 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 could work too as well. So um, you know, but I think all those tie-ins are going to be great and it's fun. And you know, um, it's just it's just got to make sure we present our game not as just a, a once-off novelty. I think whatever approach uh, needs to be, uh, I think consistency is a big part of this, right? So I don't think you can just sort of bring your random game to Brisbane uh, to to uh, America every year. I think what you need to have is you need to have like okay, we're going to do this. We're going to go there every year for the next five to seven years and we're going to build up these games over time to to where, you know, the American market is going to be super excited about it, right? I think that's the way they've got to, they've got to approach it. Um, but then, again, I don't think, you know, the, the American sports consumer – is very much into homegrown sports, right, and sports that they own. So breaking into that, uh, yeah, it, uh, it's going to be tough, but it's going to need a consistent, and that's why it's going to need a consistent uh, effort to do to make it happen. And, and look, just on your point about which clubs, if you want a good team to fight against the Raiders, look, we just spoke about Jack Wyden. Uh, mm. Why not have Rabbitohs versus Raiders? I mean, what a story, the Jack Whiten revenge story. Like, that that's going to cause some drama for sure. But, look, look, <clears throat> it's a good point. Like, which teams are you going to put in there? Um, I guess it depends on results this year. Um, and, and also the other thing I think we need to be careful of is we don't pit teams that are going to be uh, confusing to explain to people. So, for instance... Um, I think West's Tigers is going to be a hard one to explain. <laughs> what is West's? West's of what? Uh, that's going to be a hard one to explain. Another mm. one that's going to be hard to explain is New Zealand Warriors. I mean, are they the national team? Are they, mm. you know, this is going to be a hard one to explain to Americans. Um, yeah. Another one. But they're that, bad at geographies. So I don't think they, they the, think they're well, New Zealand is part of Australia anyway, right? They probably think it's the All Blacks plane. So like, it's going to be a bit confusing for them. But look. <laughs> Another one is dolphins. Uh, the dolphins. Where do they represent the? They, they again. This is another example of where 
we just probably need to really think carefully about. Um, look, and there is an argument to be made that uh, we shouldn't necessarily be putting teams up that are, you know, have the same mascot as some of their most beloved teams. So, for instance, I wouldn't be putting, I don't know about Broncos and Cowboys and Raiders and, you know, those kinds of uh, teams. I think there might be an issue. I think, you know, equally you might have an issue if you put up Roosters and Rabbitohs. Uh, or if you put up the eels, or if you put up uh, uh, what other one, storm, you know, like some of these things might not make sense to the American audience. So look, there's a lot to think about, but I think overall, our we are very much supportive here at the Republic of uh, what the NRO is trying to do. Very good top-down approach. Uh, Peter Volandes, Andrew Abdo, going out there on a junket uh, slash study tour to try and understand what they need to do to plan this to perfection next year um but yeah there's a lot of clubs already interested so looking forward to it should be a good one and uh yeah well let's move on to tackle number four which is about the hip drop tackles All right, that's an interesting little musical interlude there. The NRL <laughs> is adamant that the notorious hip drop tackle has to go. So we've seen this, especially in, in uh, I think, the Eels and the Broncos match, where there was a couple of uh, well, a couple of suspensions. Payne Haas got suspended for his hip drop tackle on Reagan Campbell Gillard, who's injured, who's out injured with, I think, an, a groin injury. Uh, it was very awkward tackle. But look, the NRO is very much against this hip drop hip drop tackle. Uh, they, they're thinking that the numbers are heading or trending in the wrong direction, and they really put the onus on clubs to stamp this out. So they're uh, they're doing what they can to make sure that this, this type of tackle gets coached out of the game and really, uh, Graham Annesley has uh, has come out, referee's boss, or is he referee's boss still, or is he uh, chief of football, or whatever he is, um, chief of football operation, let's say. He has come out and said it's not that complicated for players to avoid performing this tackle. Now, now Tish, let me just do a bit of a, bit of a well, not so much a thought experiment. Let's just let me ask you straight out. An alien has come to Earth and comes to you and says, "What is this hip drop tackle all about?" Are you able to explain to them what is a hip drop tackle without going to video? Yeah. Um, okay. So hip drop tackle is when a player, uh, a defensive player, obviously, uh, making the tackle, he grabs the player from the side or behind, so not from front, and uh, takes their feet off the ground so that the weight, his weight will come so, so he's using gravity to pull the player down. That is what a hip drop tackle is. So basically, when the defensive player has got the, you know, has clutched the attacking player, and then basically drops their body. So in other words, takes their f- feet off their off the ground, like so they're vertical. Yeah, you know, they're off the ground. That is what a hip drop tackle is. Um, and then actually, when and to be honest, because Gray Mannersley described it like that and then actually when you see it you can figure out okay that's why this is 20 i think it's uh, rated at 25 times more dangerous than any other tackle uh, that's legal at the moment well not that is illegal i should say um because yeah because uh what happens is the entire weight of the defensive player uh goes 
into like the the attacking player. So you know your 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 knees, your wrist, uh, your, your knees and your legs and your ankles and and even your back is pulling like you know another hundred kilos down. Um, that's why it becomes very dangerous. So have I explained it well? Um, I, I think you have. I think you have. It's the idea being that you, uh, if you're trying to stop someone who's rampaging, you you have to actually, you know, do some judo kind of, you know, use mm. your, your your legs and push against them, that kind of thing. What you can't do is is just lift yourself up the ground and and kind of uh, use your weight to drag them down to the ground. Uh, the other the other thing that you didn't mention, but I, I'm not sure if this is in the definition, but one thing I've seen from examples where they've penalised that that type of tackle is that by by the defensive player lifting their legs off the ground. It, it adds an element of unpredictability and they completely lose control over uh, over themselves and and it really is all about gravity <laughs> and at that yeah. point they might be you know all 120 kilos of them might be hurtling towards that player's knee for all you know and so really it's um it is super dangerous uh, but but it's one of those things the reason why I asked you to explain it Tish, is because it's one yeah. of those things where, you can't really like it is very much a case by case thing and and you because of that you will see inconsistencies and this is what we've seen even within the eels and the uh, the broncos match we saw inconsistencies we saw campbell gillard um <clears throat> get injured because of of it although the pain Haas tackle didn't look too bad i don't think it it looked pretty bad in the sense that uh, Gillard was kind of uh, he was kind of like doing a, a frog yoga pose or something. It looked like it was he was very awkwardly positioned when when Haas did that. But there was an earlier and I, I forget who the player is, but an earlier tackle I think that the Broncos player did on the Eels player, and um, that was penalised. Um, <clears throat> where yeah, definitely there was legs lifted off the ground and and that looked a bit dangerous as well. But um, but by all intents, I think the the Payne Haas one looked not so bad, but um, it looked only awkward because of the way Gillard was falling. And I guess that's the point. The point is that you know if your player, if you're a defensive player and you've got uh, control over your weight and your weight distribution, then and you see that a player is falling awkwardly, you're not going to try and put all your 120 kilos on that player's calf muscles, for instance, because it's just going to look terrible and it, and it could lead to injury. And it did in the case of Reagan Campbell-Gillard. So I think, yeah, I asked about that because it's one of those things where it's very much a case-by-case case and hard to define, I think. So um, look, but yeah, the NRL definitely, the news is it's all about the hip drop at the moment. Um, and uh, yeah, hippity yeah. hip drop, well, well, if, and if you, you got to stop. The, is what the, the NRL is saying. Pain you can... Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> that's that's Rod No, I was just going to say, if you actually look at the pain house, he it was a hip drop. Um, you could see that he's clearly behind uh, the player, and he doesn't have his feet. His feet are both in the air, right? Where I think the earlier one. There's only one foot off the air, so it's not your entire body weight, right? So, mm. um, which means you still have some sort of control. So, but that's touch and go too, right? Because I mean, how much control do you really have if you're only on one leg, 
right? So that's that's another that's another, I suppose, aspect to it a little bit. But you can clearly see that, um, yeah. Just if, if the defensive player is behind the player, that's that's when you get pulled up. So it's the player that's behind you, and and I think Cooper Cronk mentioned this too. If you're tackling somebody from behind, that means you actually missed the tackle to begin with, right? So you've already you've like so uh, by allowing this tackle, you're you're actually allowing uh, the person who's made the mistake uh, to sort of uh, like cover up their mistake a little bit, um, which is another angle which I didn't even think about. But I, but but I, but I do I do like Cooper's insight into this type of thing because it does make sense what he's saying, right? You know, like if you're you know defensive players should never be tackling people from behind. Because it sort of suggests that they've uh, that they've actually missed the tackle initially. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, look, I, there's a similar quote by um, uh, by soccer great Paolo Maldini from Italy, who said, "If I've <laughs> if I'm forced to make a tackle, you've already beaten me." <laughs> so I think it's the same kind of thing. The idea is if <laughs> if I'm if <laughs> It's a similar kind of thing. It's like if I'm if mm. I'm supposed to be tackling you from behind, then that means I've already lost. <laughs> I'm chasing you, and you've already, you know, mm. I've almost missed a tackle. And and I think that's right. And I think, look, I'm going to end this this discussion with one uh, with two words, which I want uh, I really want you to think about how this relates to the hip drop tackle. Alan Langer. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember? Do you yes. remember the sorts of shenanigans that Alan Langer would get up to to bring a player down? You know, he got in trouble for tripping and for, you know, locking his legs around people's waists and giving their bear hugs, all sorts of things that he used to do back in the day because he was a small player and he had to do whatever he could to bring that player down. And I, I wonder whether as much as a hip drop is dangerous, and I think it's a good thing that we're stamping it out, that uh, there – we are we are at risk of overregulating what can and can't be done in tackles. Um, it you know obviously for player prevention, injury prevention, that's fair enough. Player welfare, but you know what would Alan Langer be cancelled in this day and age? Would his would his attempts mm. at tackling bigger players, twice the size of him, be considered hip drop tackles? Because you can bet that you can find a dozen examples of uh, on YouTube, even of uh, of Alan yeah. Langer tackling with his feet completely off the ground just because he had to, and he did all he could to bring down these big players. So, you know, I wonder, I wonder what's happened and whether whether that is a good thing that we are moving towards that. Um, Tish, final words before we move on. Well, uh, yeah, look, I think uh, with Alan Langer, that was pre woke, and now we're in the post woke world. Um, and we've been woken up to the dangers of hip hop and hip drop, so, um, <laughs> so so I think that's why uh, that's why uh, that's why we need to uh, stamp it out. And um, yeah, like so, so the, the pro- Alan Lane did it because of his size, and now we've got um, front rollers doing it as well, right? So. Like it just immediately uh, sort with danger. So so let, let's hope this. Uh, you know this crusade that Graham Annesley and the referees have. Let's let's ho- actually hope that it does get to success and 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 we can get all the controversy out of it. Yeah, and let's not forget that in this uh, post woke era, that look the original BLM was actually Alan Langer. It was uh, Broncos Little Men. <laughs> That's what BLM <laughs> was originally. 
True story. Anyway, <laughs> now let's move on. Look, tackle number five. Here we go. This is about Turbo. All right, look, one of the, the sad pieces of news to come out of the weekend is another Tommy Trebojevic injury, which has the potential to uh, knock him out of origin contention this year, at least for game one. Uh, but Tish, uh, look, I think we we can talk all day about state of origin and who's could who could possibly replace Tommy Turbo, but I'm interested in Chad GPT's mm. views on this. Uh, what does he think uh, we should do with Tommy Turbo potentially out of origin? Yeah, look, we don't know what to do with Tommy. So what what do you do when you don't need to do? You need when you don't know what to do, you got to use AI. So what do you think, Chad? Can you help us? Hello, Doctor T and Tish. Based on past trends and typical player selections, here are some potential candidates who may have been considered for the New South Wales Blues as a replacement for Tom Trebojevic. Latrell Mitchell Mitchell has been a consistent performer in the NRL and has represented New South Wales in previous State of Origin series. He has proven to be a dangerous attacking player and has the ability to create scoring opportunities for his teammates. Clint Gutherson Gutherson is a versatile player who can play in several positions, including fullback, center, and 5'8". He has been a standout performer for the Parramatta Eels and has been in good form in recent seasons. And Ryan Pappenwizen. Pappenwizen is a talented young player who has made a big impact for the Melbourne Storm in recent seasons. He is known for his speed and attacking flair and could provide an exciting option for the Blues if given the opportunity. Boy, yeah, thanks, Chad. Well, what do you think? So, look, look, let's dive into that. I mean, he's talked about Latrell Mitchell and Clint Gutherson and Ryan Pappenheisen, which I don't think uh, is going to be much of an option. But Latrell Mitchell, well, I think he's already, he was already going to be there. But, uh, you know. Well, he didn't we'll play tack- last year, so technically he would be a replacement, right? He would be, I guess, yeah. But, look, what do you think, Tish? Uh, Latrell, are we thinking Jack Whiten potentially? What's What's the go? Well, Jack White has already announced his retirement from State of Origin. Oh, that's right. Sorry. Jack White. Yeah. Out. Yeah. There you go. Jack White. So last year we had Stephen Crichton and we've all, we also had Matt Burton, right? Um, and it's interesting that Chad GPT mentioned Clint Gutherson because, and I did hear Brad Fittler talk about uh, Clint Gutherson of how he's a great Origin player, but he was responding to a question that Billy Slater asked, which was, how was he? Uh, to coach in origin, right? And Billy Slater, who is a Queensland coach, is asking the New South Wales coach about uh, Clint Gutherson. And from the commentary that I've heard, when Billy Slater is talking about the Parramatta Eels and talking about Clint Gutherson, I can tell he's got a huge rap on him, right? Um, so it's I, I think he's uh, I think he's a dark horse that nobody's talking about, but I actually think that he's actually a really good selection uh, in the senses. And because uh, I was initially thinking probably a Campbell Graham or a Stephen Crichton perhaps, and Stephen Crichton maybe a little ahead because of the whole combinations that he has with the Penrith Panthers. But then I thought about Gufferson and the fact that he could cover multiple positions um, and that you know that he will come 
and ha- you'll know that he will have some plays in the game that we desperately like just need, right? You know, he'll cover up things. He'll score some tries. He'll set up things when nobody else is thinking about something. He's just going to be super enthusiastic. And yeah, it's surprising. Nobody's talking about him as an origin selection, but I think definitely Gutherson is the man, um, you know, and I'm not the world's biggest, uh, like, you know, par- par- like, obviously I'm a West Tigers fan. Parramatta is not really one of my uh, top favorite teams out there. But Gutherson has got to be probably one of my favorite players out there. And I think it's just – he's everything that Eels want. Like, um, yeah, I, I think it's a great s- suggestion. So I was, I was kind of blown away when Chad GPT came out with that. So, um, yeah, at Ryan Pepinauzen, I don't know if he's uh, injured or not. But um, it's interesting, you know, the centers for New South Wales uh, are not your regular centers. Um well, that's what that's what the that's what the AI is telling us. What do you think, Doctor T? Yeah, I mean, I think we've seen that. All, you know, we've got this uh, issue with uh, well, Brad Fidler does with the back line there, where it seems to be he's just having to fit in a bunch of fullbacks <laughs> into different positions. Mm-hmm. Um, it just so happens that the best players in the game uh, at the moment are all fullbacks, and uh, he's he wants to find a place for them. So that's fair enough. Um, but yeah, with with this situation with Nico Hines that we spoke about, I think um, I think there's a potential to put in. Uh, I, I don't. I think that works against Clint Gutherson in the sense that he, we don't need another kind of player who 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 can play this five eighth role when you've got Nico Hines there potentially as well. Um, so I'm not sure about that. But um, but yeah, Latrell Mitchell I think is the obvious choice. Uh, in that sense, uh, I guess the question is, did Crichton do enough to, to warrant him being dropped? Uh, because if he does, then then that means we've got a, a, a space for someone. Uh, but if, uh, if Fiddler thinks uh, it's worth bringing him back in, don't, let's not forget, Crichton and Luai, uh, we spoke about Luai last week, they were the, the two main reasons why Samoa got to the final of the World Cup last year. Uh, without them, they wouldn't have made it. So I think Crichton has proved himself but a different level. I'm not sure if he's proved himself at this level. Um, Luai, I think, has proved himself at origin level. So I, that makes the, uh, the the Tommy Turbo replacement uh, situation a bit more complicated because it means that, uh, yeah, you've got you, you've got Latrell Mitchell there who um, definitely is uh, was needed, I think, last year. Uh, I think it's a no-brainer that he slots right in there. Uh, but, but yeah, what do we do about the other positions where we still have uh, some issues and some holes there? But, look, Chad Chad has done well. I mean, I think I, I think he we whatever uh, Abdo and Volandis do with this Las Vegas thing, they need to talk to Chad GPT because I think he is well aware from of the American perspective here, uh, very much so. I think uh, a bit of a consultation with our mate, in AI land will we'll definitely uh, serve them well. But look, Fred, Freddie Fiddler has got a lot of uh, a lot of headaches uh, coming up soon to work out what to do with uh, without Tommy, Tommy Turbo, who uh, was our would have been our X Factor this year. Unfortunately, he's not match fit and is injured. So, yeah, unfortunately, that's the way it goes. Uh, any other words before we move on? Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> let's move on. All right, tackle number six, the tips. All right. 
So after round eight, or in round eight, I got five out of eight. You got four out of eight. So that takes me to a total of 35 and you to a total of 40. Tish, I'm catching up slowly. Um, and we now move on to tackle uh, to round number nine. Uh, now, I think I mistakenly said earlier that that's a magic round. It's actually not. Round 10 is a magic round. Uh, so I think I jumped a little ahead of the gun there, but not to worry. Uh, let's move on to our tips for round nine. We've got the Sharks and the Cowboys on Thursday night at Points Bet Stadium. I think the Sharks are uh, on fire and they will win yeah, this one. I agree. I think the Sharks uh, will win this one. All right. Uh, Eels versus Knights at uh, the Friday, well, the early Friday night game at Combank Stadium. I think the Eels will win this one. Yeah, I'm going for the. Uh, actually, yeah, I'm going for the eels in this one. Yep. The big blockbuster game. The uh, now, I believe, is this the top of the table clash? I think it might be. Uh, the Broncos versus the Rabbitohs at Suncorp Stadium, uh, Friday night, 8 p.m. It will be the big one, and I think the Rabbitohs will uh, win this one. Yeah, I'm going to tip the Broncos. Uh, just because they're at home against, uh, yeah, uh, the Rabbitohs. Right, Raiders versus Dolphins at McDonald's Park. I don't know where that is. Uh, I'm not sure if that's uh, somewhere. Anyway, um, Raiders for mine, though, because I think uh, I think all this news, all the, the week off as well, uh, means that they'll come back raring to go. And uh, let's not forget they did well last week. <laughs> so mm. I think they'll continue their winning ways against the Dolphins. Yeah, well, I'm going to tip the Dolphins. Um uh, neither of these two were able to sign Jack White and Ryan. <laughs> <I think> the... <laughs> it's, uh, it's a battle of the Jack White and loser cup. <laughs> All, right. All right. Manly versus Titans. It's the DCE Cup mm. at Four Pines <laughs> Park at Manly. Uh, the, I think Manly will win this one. I think they, uh, the Titans are struggling at the moment, I believe. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tip Manly. Uh, without Serba, but yeah, let's let's go for Manly. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the battle of the big uh, cats, Panthers versus Tigers at Carrington Park on Saturday evening. Uh, I think the Panthers uh, look; they've been struggling compared to last season, but I think they will uh, they will still win this one against the Tigers. But I think the Tigers are look; they're due for some a win eventually. Uh, what better than than to beat the defending premiers? And that's the kind of thing that the Tigers may, in fact, do. So uh, I, this is not going to be a close one, but I think uh, – sorry, this is this is going to be a close one, I think. Uh, but I think the Panthers will edge them out. Yeah, look, I, I'm going to tip uh, the Panthers as well. I think the worst thing that could happen to the Tigers is that they beat uh, the Panthers because then they will not win a game for the next 10 weeks uh, <laughs> because they, they think they did something great, right? So, yeah. <laughs> All right. The New Zealand Warriors against the Sydney Roosters at Mount Smart Stadium, Sunday, 2 p.m. Uh, I think the Warriors have shown enough against the Storm that, that sh to show that they've uh, got what it takes. And I think if they can defeat the Roosters, this will give them a, a pretty big shot in the arm in terms of confidence. So I think they'll do that at home at Mount Smart Stadium. Yeah, well, I'm going to tip the Warriors. But this is going to be interesting because you've also got – uh, you know, Joseph Manu, who played his first game at 5 8 and I thought he did a great job today. So very interesting. A lot of New Zealand players playing for the Roosters, but I think the Warriors are going to edge them out. All right, and finally, the Dragons v. the Bulldogs, the Sunday afternoon game at Wind Stadium in Wollongong. 
I think the home game uh, will do them a lot of good. And I think what, what we saw today at Anzac Day in that clash against the Roosters will give the Dragons a lot of confidence. So I think, uh, yeah, well, it could go either way, but I think the Dragons will win this one. Yeah, I, I'm going to tip the Dragons as well. I think the Bulldogs have got a few too many injuries uh, for me for them to have a good chance to win this game. So I'm going to take tip the Dragons on this on this one. And, of course, the Storm uh, earning a bye uh, next weekend after their epic victory against the uh, – who did they beat? The Warriors today uh, in the Anzac Day clash. And, look, that's it for the Anzac round, and that's it for us today. Tish, it's been an epic round, as you've suggested, a pretty great round of football, uh, you know, very satisfying round for a, a rugby league purist and uh, and fans alike. So, uh, yeah, have a good one, everyone. I'll leave it to you, Tish, to wrap things up. And, uh, yeah, get out there and watch the footy. Thanks. Yes, thank you, Dr. Dan. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. That's all the time that we have for this edition of the Rugby League Republic. We're your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now.